Chapter Thirty Eight of Esther Waters. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Reading by Lars Rolander. Esther Waters by George Moore. Chapter Thirty Eight. During the next fortnight Sarah came several times to the king's head. She came in about nine in the evening, and stayed for half an hour or more. The ostensible object of her visit was to see Esther, but she declined to come into the private bar, where they would have chatted comfortably, and remained in the public bar listening to the men's conversation, listening and nodding while old John explained the horse's staying power to her. On the following evening all her interest was in Ketley. She wanted to know if anything had happened that might be considered as an omen. She said she had dreamt about the race, but her dream was only a lot of foolish rubbish without head or tail. Ketley argued earnestly against this view of a serious subject and, in the hope of convincing her of her error, offered to walk as far as Oxford Street with her, and put her into her bus. But on the following evening all her interest was centred in Mr. Journeyman, who declared that he could prove that, according to the weight it seemed to him to look more and more like a certainty, he had let the horse in at six stone ten pounds. The official handicapper had only given him six stone seven pounds. They is sending off him along this week, and if the leg don't go, it is a hundred pound to a brass farthing on the old horse. How many times will they gallop him? Sarah asked. He goes a mile and a arf every day now. The day after tomorrow they'll try him just to see that he hasn't lost his turn of speed, and if he don't break down in the trial you can take it from me that it will be all right. When will you know the result of the trial? I expect a letter on Friday morning, said Stack. If you come in in the evening I'll let you know about it. Thank you very much, Mr. Stack. I must be getting home now. I'm going your way, Miss Tucker. If you like, we'll go together, and I'll tell you, he whispered, all about the oars. When they had left the bar, the conversation turned on racing as an occupation for women. Fancy my wife making a book on the cars. I bet she'd overlay it and then turn round and back the favourite at a shorter price than she'd been laying. I don't know that we should be any foolisher than you, said Esther. Don't you never go and overlay your book? What about syntax and the oars you told me about last week? William had been heavily hit last week through overlaying his book against a horse he didn't believe in, and the whole bar joined in the laugh against him. I don't say nothing about bookmaking, said Journeyman. But there's a great many women nowadays who is mighty sharp at spotting a horse at that the handicapper had let in pretty easy. This one, said Ketley, jerking his thumb up in the direction that Stack and Sarah had gone, seems to have got hold of something. We must ask Stack when he comes back, and Journeyman winked at William. 
women do get excited over trifles old john remarked sarcastically she ain't got about a half a crown on the horse if that she don't care about the horse or the race no woman ever did it's all about some sweetheart that's been piling it on i wonder if you're right said esther reflectively i never knew her before to take such an interest in a horse race on the day of the race sarah came into the private bar about three o'clock the news was not yet in wouldn't you like to step into the parlour you'd be more comfortable said esther no thank you dear it's not worth while i thought i'd like to know which one that's all have you much on now five shillings altogether but a friend of mine stands to win a good bit i see you've got a new dress dear when did you get it i've had the stuff by me some time i only had it made up last month do you like it sarah answered that she thought it very pretty but esther could see that she was thinking of something quite different the race is over now it's run at half past two yes but they're never quite punctual there may be a delay at the post i see you know all about it one never hears of anything else esther asked sarah when her people came back to town and was surprised at the change of expression that the question brought to her friend's face they're expected back to-morrow she said why do you ask oh nothing something to say that's all the conversation paused and the two women looked at each other at that moment a voice coming rapidly towards them was heard calling winner winner i'll send out for the paper said esther no no suppose he shouldn't have won well it won't make any difference oh esther no someone will come in and tell us the race can't be over yet it's a long race and takes some time to run by this time the boy was far away and fainter and fainter the terrible word winner 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 it's too late now said sarah someone'll come in presently and tell us about it i dare say it ain't the paper at all them boys cries out anything that will sell winner winner the voice was coming towards them if he's won bill is to marry somehow i feel as if he hasn't winner we shall soon know esther took a halfpenny from the till don't you think we'd better wait it can't be printed in the papers not the true account and if it was wrong esther didn't answer she gave charles the halfpenny he went out and in a few minutes came back with the paper in his hand tornado first ben johnson second woodcraft third he read out that's a good thing for the governor there was very few that backed tornado he's only lost some place money so he was only second sarah said turning deadly pale they said he was certain to win i hope you've not lost much said esther it wasn't with william that you backed him no it wasn't with william i only had a few shillings on 
It don't matter. Let me have a drink. What will you have? Some whisky. Sarah drank it neat. Esther looked at her doubtfully. The bars would be empty for the next two hours. Esther wished to utilize this time. She had some shopping to do and asked Sarah to come with her. But Sarah complained of being tired and said she would see her when she came back. Esther went out a little perplexed. She was detained longer than she expected, and when she returned Sarah was staggering about in the barroom, asking Charles for one more drink. "'I'll bloody rush! Who says I'm drunk? I ain't! Look at me! The horse did not win, did he? I say it did! Papers all so much bloody rot!' "'Oh, Sarah, what is this?' "'How's this? Leave go, I say.' "'Mr. Stack, won't you ask her to come upstairs? Don't encourage her.' "'Upstairs? I'm a free woman. I don't want to go upstairs. I'm a free woman. Tell me,' she said, balancing herself with difficulty and staring at Esther with dull, fishy eyes. Tell me if I'm not a free woman. What do I want upstairs for? Oh, Sarah, come upstairs and lie down. Don't go out. I'm going home. Hands off, hands off, she said, slapping Esther's hands from her arm. Everyone was drunk last night and drunk the night before. And if we don't get drunk to-night, we don't get drunk no more. Now you will have a drink with me, and I will drink with you, for where the very rowdiest lot of the rowdy Irish crew. That's what we used to sing in the lane, you know. Should have seen the coaster gals with their feathers dancing and clinking their pewters, Rippin' day, bank holiday, aping under the trees, how oh, they did romp them gals. We all was roaring drunk last night, and drunk the night before, and if we don't get drunk to-night, we don't get drunk no more. Girls and boys, you know, all together. Sarah, listen to me. Listen. Come and have a drink, old girl, just another drink. She staggered up to the counter. One more, just for luck, do you hear? Before Charles could stop her, she had seized the whiskey that had just been served. That's my whiskey, exclaimed Journeyman. He made a rapid movement, but was too late. Sarah had drained the glass and stood vacantly looking into space. Journeyman seemed so disconcerted at the loss of his whisky that everyone laughed. A few moments after, Sarah staggered forward and fell insensible into his arms. He and Esther carried her upstairs and laid her on the bed in the spare room. "'She'll be precious bad to-morrow,' said Journeyman. "'I don't know how you could have gone on helping her,' Esther said to Charles when she got inside the bar and she seemed so pained 
that out of deference to her feelings the subject was dropped out of the conversation. Esther felt that something shocking had happened. Sarah had deliberately got drunk. She would not have done that unless she had some great trouble on her mind. William, too, was of this opinion. Something serious must have happened. As they went up to their room, Esther said, "'It's all the fault of this betting. The neighbourhood is completely ruined. They're losing their owns and their furniture, and you'll bear the blame of it.' "'It do make me so wild to hear you talking that way, Esther. People will bet you can't stop them.' I'll lay fair prices, and they sure of their money. Yet you says they're losing their furniture, and that I shall have to bear the blame. When they got to the top of the stairs, she said, I must go and see how Sarah is. Where am I? What's happened? Take that candle out of my eyes. Oh, my head is that painful. She fell back on the pillow, and Esther thought she had gone to sleep again. But she opened her eyes. Where am I? That's you, Esther. Yes. Can't you remember? No, I can't. I remember that the oars didn't win, but don't remember nothing after. I got drunk, didn't I? It feels like it. The oars didn't win, and then you took too much. It's very foolish of you to give way. Give way, drunk, what matter? I'm done for. Did you lose much? It wasn't what I lost, it was what I took. I gave Bill the plate to pledge, it's all gone, and Master and Missus coming back tomorrow. Don't talk about it. I got drunk so that I shouldn't think of it. Oh, Sarah, I didn't think it was as bad as that. You must tell me all about it. I don't want to think about it. They'll come soon enough to take me away. Besides, I cannot remember nothing now. My mouth that awful. Give me a drink. Never mind the glass. Give me the water bottle. She drank ravenously and seemed to recover a little. Esther pressed her to tell her about the pledged plate. You know that I'm your friend. You'd better tell me. I want to help you out of this scrape. No one can help me now. I'm done for. Let them come and take me. I'll go with them. I shan't say nothing. How much is it in for? Don't cry like that. Esther said, and she took out her handkerchief and wiped Sarah's eyes. How much is it in for? Perhaps I can get my husband to lend me the money to get it out. It's no use trying to help me, Esther. I can't talk about it now. I shall go mad if I do. Tell me how much you got on it. 
thirty pounds. It took a long time to undress her. Every now and then she made an effort, and another article of clothing was got off. When Esther returned to her room, William was asleep, and Esther took him by the shoulder. "'It is more serious than I thought,' she shouted. "'I want to tell you about it.' "'What about it?' he said, opening his eyes. "'She has pledged the plate for thirty pounds to back that oars.' "'What oars?' "'Ben Johnson.' "'He broke down at the bushes. "'If he hadn't, I should have been broke up. "'The whole neighbourhood was on him. "'So she pledged the plate to back him. "'She didn't do that to back him herself. "'Someone must have put her up to it. "'Yes, it was Bill Evans.' "'Ah, that blackguard put her up to it. "'I thought she'd left him for good. "'She promised us that she'd never speak to him again.' "'You see, she was that fond of him that she couldn't help herself. "'There's many that can't.' "'How much did they get on the plate?' Thirty pounds.' "'William blew a long whistle. "'Then, starting up in the bed, he said, she can't stop here. If it comes out that it was through betting, it won't do this house any good. We're already suspected. There's that old sweetheart of yours, the Salvation Cove, on the lookout for evidence of betting being carried on. She'll go away in the morning, but I thought that you might lend her the money to get the plate out. What? Thirty pounds? It's a deal of money, I know. But I thought that you might be able to manage it. You've been lucky over this race. Yes, but think of all I've lost this summer. This is the first bit of luck I've had for a long while. I thought you might be able to manage it. Esther stood by the bedside. Her knee leaned against the edge. She seemed to him at that moment as the best woman in the world, and he said, Thirty pounds is no more to me than tuppence halfpenny, if you wish it, Esther. I haven't been an extravagant wife, have I? She said, getting into bed and taking him in her arms. I never asked you for money before. She's my friend. She's yours, too. We've known her all our lives. We can't see her go to prison, can we, Bill, without raising a finger to save her? She had never called him Bill before, and the familiar abbreviation touched him, and he said, I owe everything to you, Esther. Everything that's mine is yours. But, he said, drawing away so that he might see her better, what do you say if I ask something of you? What are you going to ask me? I want to say that you won't bother me no more about the betting. You was brought up to think it wicked. I know all that. But you see, we can't do without it. Do you think not? Don't the thirty pounds you're asking for Sarah come out of betting? I suppose it do. Most certainly it do. I can't help feeling, Bill, 
that we shan't always be so lucky as we have been. You mean that you think that one of these days we shall have the police down upon us? Don't you sometimes think that we can't always go on without being caught? Every day I hear of the police being down on some betting club or other. They've been down on a great number lately, but what can I do? We always come back to that. I haven't the health to work round from racecourse to racecourse as I used to. But I've got an idea, Esther. I've been thinking over things a great deal lately, and give me my pipe. There it's just by you. Now hold the candle, like a good girl. William pulled at his pipe until it was fully lighted. He threw himself on his back, and then he said, I've been thinking things over. The betting has brought us a nice bit of trade here. If we can work up the business a bit more, we might, let's say in a year from now, be able to get as much for the house as we gave. What do you think of buying a business in the country, a house doing a steady trade? I've had enough of London. The climate don't suit me as it used to. I fancy I should be much better in the country, somewhere on the south coast, Bournemouth way. What do you think? Before Esther could reply, William was taken with a fit of coughing, and his great broad frame was shaken as if it were so much paper. I'm sure, said Esther, when he had recovered himself a little, that a good deal of your trouble comes from that pipe. It's never out of your mouth. I feel like choking myself. I dare say I smoke too much. I'm not the man I was. I can feel it plain enough. Put my pipe down and blow out the candle. I didn't ask you how Sarah was. Very bad. She was half dazed and didn't tell me much. She didn't tell you where she had pledged the plate? No. I will ask her about that to-morrow morning. Leaning forward, she blew out the candle. The wick smouldered red for a moment, and they fell asleep happy in each other's love, seeming to find new bonds of union in pity for their friend's misfortune. End of chapter 38 Read by Lars Rolander